Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You explained the, uh, the thought process on the intentional walk with... Um... With uh, to Turner? Turner. So let me ask you a question. Is there, is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? At, I guess at 1-2 is the question. At the Do you know what he hits against left-hand pitching with one oh one or two strikes? Do you know what he hits? Well, you know what Muncie hits with two strikes with, against a left-hand pitcher? I mean, is that really a question? Because it was one and two? Turner was a, a strike left against a left-hander. is not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base, and Muncy happened to be the guy behind him. And that's a better matchup. Here again, somebody disagrees. That's, that's the beauty of this game. Welcome to it. But that, that wasn't a tough call. Was there a reason for waiting until one-two, though? Not huh? right was there a reason to not do it right away and wait till one-two? Well, that's when, they, that's when the, the pitch got away. Hey, White Sox fans, guess what? <laughs> Didn't think we'd be doing a post-game podcast uh, today. Seemed like it'd be a mundane game. A chance to win a series. But instead of the dulcet tones of Scott Reichard's guitar, introing us to a Southside Sox podcast, instead we got the defensive angry words of Tony La Russa post-game. Before we get to the guest, let me break down just a little bit of what happened in that audio you just heard, just a minute of it. So contextually, I'm not sure what happened necessarily before or if there's more follow-up after. I'm assuming no, because that's sort of how it goes. Kudos to Scott Merkin for asking the question. Uh, We had a little discussion among staff whether or not it would even be acknowledged. There's no way it can't be acknowledged. Of course, I took the under. I did actually say somehow it wouldn't be acknowledged. It was. So kudos, Merk. Although, let's face it, Tony comes right back at him and defensively and somewhat admonishingly 
uh, questions why anybody would be asking the question. That's a perfect opportunity to say, well, yes, the planet is asking, the Dodgers broadcast is asking, the White Sox broadcast. No worries about throwing anybody under the bus here. Steve Stone isn't in with the players. You're not going to lose big contacts by just saying, everybody is talking about this. And then I think the follow-up, I think, comes from James Fagan. I'm not sure. The follow-up, an opportunity, not just to poke the bear, but to say, yeah, to follow up on what Merck asked, uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk going on. There's a lot of questioning. You don't have to make it an individual thing where you're picking on the manager. You can go with the masses on this because guess what? It's not a lie. Every single person's jaw dropped when that decision was made. And then you knew it was even the Sox broadcast kicked it to the post game saying, man, the post game could last three hours tonight because we think there's going to be stuff to talk about. Anyway, Enough of the inside beat nonsense from Brett Valentini, your host on a surprise. Hey, surprise, everybody. Postgame podcast number 11. Got some guests. Going to get immediate reaction because, listen, he called shotgun. I am going to ask for some thoughts from Dante Jones first. Uh, Dante, your thoughts on, oh, just pick a topic. I don't know. Is there something to talk about? Pick a topic. All right. So I was at today's game, unfortunately. (laughs) Um. I don't think I've seen a a crowd go deader than that crowd went today when the Hall of Fame baseball person decided, no, we don't want to deal with Trey Turner. Let's just deal with Max Muncy after getting Trey 1-2. And I thought Dylan should have been pulled earlier because his pictures weren't quite as sharp getting a little later. That pitch count was a bit up. So, yeah, I think Dylan should have been pulled. But we also had to consider the fact that we had to deal with bad defense from Jake Berger. The thing that happened when they switched Berger out from Moncada at the end of the game confused me because if Moncada's healthy enough to play, he should be playing third base every day. I don't care if he's slumping. He's a base piece of all-star capital player. Let him get out the slump instead of trashing your defense by playing Berger out there. Berger, great power back. DH. There's a reason there's a DH. He shouldn't be on the field at all, it looks like. White Sox going to run out the unorthodox five DH lineup at any time. Well, they actually are running that out. It's just some of those guys got to play in the field. Yeah, Tony, here's just a tip. They spent $80 billion on a bullpen this year. You might just want to hook the starter a little bit quicker. But anyway, that's a small nitpick given, uh, you know, the big lead story. Okay, I'm going to next kick it up to Crystal O'Keefe because after all, she had to struggle to through not just one, but two pieces of coverage with Southside Sox. So by the way, we are waiting on what is, I've glanced at it already. It's not published yet. An epic <laughs> recap coming from Christina Erdo. So there's more great covers to come, but uh, for the person who's actually published a couple pieces painfully, sort of like that uh, root canal, uh, Crystal, how you feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, if you didn't if you didn't read my six pack of stats today, I compared it to a roller coaster where someone pukes in your lap, someone screams in your ear, the ride gets stuck for thirty minutes, like, and that the kid operating the ride at the theme park is actually just too old and really bad at his job and should have been fired or shouldn't have even been hired in the first place, really. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm a little, little peeved, and I know nothing will happen. So 
I can be angry at Tony and I can be angry at Rick and Jerry, but nothing's going to happen. Um, because again, like I've said before, there's like some blood oath between Jerry and Tony to where unless one of them dies or Tony walks away, nothing's going to happen. So just we're going to a little irritated today. We're going to get, we're going to get to that concept in the second half of this podcast. We'll just have our little, uh, fantasy discussion i suppose but i did make one tweak on that six pack and i believe you just said riding in the roller course and i said strapped in now that might not actually be accurate because it's technically fandom is voluntary i don't feel it's voluntary for me i'm suffering i could be running away from this team i'm still going to be suffering from a distance knowing what is happening in this ridiculously embarrassing fashion so i thought the strapped in was appropriate because it doesn't feel like you know like you sit next to the person who looks like maybe they are going to puke on you during some of the the turns and the drops you can say like, hey, I, you know, I, I, I changed my mind. Can I get off of this before it starts? We're, we're, we're strapped in. Uh, Joe Rhesus, you seem uncharacteristically bloodthirsty. I don't expect I'm going to hear that from you, but give me your action in this game because I detect a little bit of a, a tone change in you to the fact that maybe you're sitting back now and almost wondering at the embarrassment of this team. I am going to start with something that, is a little bit off topic, but I promise it'll get back to the topic. Okay, so I'm, I'm basically an intermediate chess player. I enjoy that game, and I, I like to watch Grandmasters um, stream it on, on Twitch. And mo- like more than 99% of the time when there's a d- disagreement between what I would think I would do in that situation versus what the, the Grandmaster does in that situation, more than 99% of the time the Grandmaster is right. And I, I'm, and, and I can pretty much always assume like okay like if there's any disagreement there then you know i i'm wrong in this situation i am certainly not getting that sense with tony larusa um and to hear him you know defend that action of the intentional walk on a one-two count in the uh in the post-game interview um there just seems to be such a large disconnection from reality in this in this case uh, and it's certainly not fun to have that guy as the manager in a year that should be in the middle of the contention window. Um, I just don't have any confidence in him as as manager. Um, and it's very unfortunate that it's it's gotten to that point. Yeah, he's 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 just simply making mistakes. And um, it, this isn't something where it's like, oh, it's a super complicated you know, concept that a, a Hall of Famer baseball person would know, but nobody else would know. No, no, this is just a simp- simply a mistake. There, there's no other way of putting it. Like the the he cited like what Turner's numbers against uh, lefties on on what a two strike count, which um quite a bit worse than than Muncie's numbers. Like I think that that was his whole defense was like the belief that like Turner on a one two count was would be better than Muncie, which you know, is simply not true. I, I mean, it. I, I don't know really what he's talking about at all in that case. And yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. He really topped himself this time. You know, Joe is a Sox math champ, et cetera. I mean, obviously you're a, a metrics guy and I think we've all been clamoring for management and a manager who's going to embrace metrics more. The problem is we didn't specify they have to use them correctly. So yeah, you know, um, way to go, Tony. Hey, listen, you know, I'm from Northside, uh, Northside Sox pod. And of course, uh, White Sox group therapy. I'm guessing there's going to be an episode coming. Hey, Sam Sherman, how you feeling today? 
Uh, yeah, <clears throat> really badly. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about my fandom this season and in, in different emotions I've felt, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was like questioning, you know, do I, is this worth it? I can't escape it. Brett, like to what you're talking about, the fandom, I guess is technically voluntary, but it doesn't feel that way. Um, I've tried to not be a fan of this team for a long time. It doesn't work. Uh, but you know, I've, I've like, I thought that I was like apathetic at times. I was apathetic, but now I'm actually just angry. And, and I was, and I, and, and I didn't know, you know, I'm happy that, that we're doing this pod tonight because it always makes me feel better to talk to, you know, um, my community here with, with, uh, you know, about this stuff, but no, I mean, it's at a point now, Crystal said it, nothing's going to change. That's the thing that keeps um, the most infuriating part of it. And I think that uh, it's just that, it's almost incomprehensible how frustrating it is that, that um, like Joe had said in the there, this being this like middle of what should be this contending window uh, and it's blowing up um, incredible in an, in an unbelievably embarrassing way, um, not just locally um, and nationally. And all of that could be um, great, honestly, if it led to a manager getting fired Um but we know that's not going to happen uh, even after seeing, you know, uh, Joe Girardi and Joe Madden um, get fired in the last two weeks, what week, two weeks, whatever it is. Um, but it's the very special nepotism case of, of Tony LaRusa here. Um, it, nothing. It's not, he's, he's not going to get fired. I'd love to eat my words. I really don't think I'm going to, um, but Tony is managing like a, he's doing his job. Like he wants to be fired. And I think that it goes back to the nepotism hire. It goes back to this, um, uh, this, this connection that he has with Reinsdorf. And, and I think that that's a part of the other thing, which is wouldn't, what a candidate that, or what a, a person in his position who was not Tony LaRusso hall of fame manager and had this tie with Reinsdorf be able to get away with these just unbelievably strange decisions that seem to be coming from nowhere. And of course that wouldn't, that wouldn't hold up. Anybody else would be, um, pushed harder by the media uh, or, 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 you know, pushed harder by the organization, whatever the case might be. He's not going anywhere. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but it's extremely frustrating. And I don't want to forget about holding um, Rick Hahn accountable. I don't want to forget about holding Jerry Reinsdorf accountable. I guess Kenny Williams as well. Um, the whole front office, um, the, you know, yes, the, the players are, are many players are struggling this season badly. Um, but I, I just, I think that it's easy to look at Larusa and say he's the big problem, and he is a big problem, and he is, you know, significantly uh, affecting this team. Um, but again, somebody hired him. Uh, somebody has been, you know, and 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 I'm not taking Rick Hahn out of this mm-hmm. because Rick Hahn had an, had multiple off seasons to address problems on this team to make it almost Larusa proof. He hasn't <laughs> done that. Uh, gave Larry Garcia um, a three-year contract. Anyway, I know I've gone a long time, but no, it's very <laughs> frustrating. So, well, well, think about it. Um, you know, uh, I think I've made even on a podcast, much less everybody my my feelings known about sort of how this came about that Larusa, you know, was the surprise uh, hire uh, that they're basically keeping the seat warm for him post Ozzy. But I mean, think about the fact that Ricky Renteria was fired for. For reasons that might be legitimate, he said there certainly were a few flags, but so much dramatically uh, uh, less error 
in-game error. People want to hang that crazy division game three on him because it was like a weird, he, he pulled a guy too fast or crochet guy, little, he got hurt. He had to leave the game. It's like, that was like chaos. We got to get this guy out of here. He can't, he can't, uh, he can't steer this championship uh, window team. LaRusa rolls out of bed making mistakes uh, greater than that, probably literally. Um, all right, let's take a quick break because uh, who knows? We can just go on on this next topic because we've already broached it. Uh, so let's take a quick break. Come on back for the post-game podcast. No, we're not celebrating a no-hitter. No, we are not. Or opening day. No, we are not. We are celebrating the 26 and 29. I think I got it right. Chicago White Sox. Uh, back in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. Brett Valentini here, getting to host a post-game podcast number 11 with some of my very, very best friends in the whole wide world. It's Crystal O'Keefe and Super Joseph Reeses. As always, staffing the Indianapolis field office, um, podcast host, Man About Town, Sam Sherman, Dante Jones at the ball game. Somehow it hasn't just passed out. I don't know how this hasn't happened, but he is here with us talking White Sox. Let's run through a few stats because I got to do it. Joe will uh, fact check me if I get something wrong. 26, 29, five and a half out. I believe they are going to be six out by the end of the day. Four in the loss column, Steve Stone. Uh, this is a 63 and 99 team if you project the, uh, the run differential. Not real good. Um, Tigers creeping up on the White Sox, just three and a half back, in case you think third place is safe. Uh, and Adrian Serrano, who is not able to join us, did want me to let all of you dear listeners know the White Sox are on the verge of being tied with a team that has lost, that lost four, just lost 14 games in a row, tied with them. So, you know, it's cute to nibble. It's cute to always be hovering right there around 500 the way the White Sox did in some record-breaking fashion within a game of 500, but uh, it's not going to get the White Sox into the playoffs, which is sort of the point of the season. Crystal nibbled at it a little bit. I believe Sam did as well. It's on our minds. We know that Tony LaRusa will not be fired. It's not going to happen. The one hope we have, short of, of course, I think, as O'Keefe mentioned, death, which I do think actually ends the tenure. Who knows? Tony may actually manage this team from the grave. Uh, but what would it take? Oh my gosh, the open essay question. What would it take for Tony Larusa to stop managing this team? Let's just assume he's going to manage this season. We saw just in that post-game conference, his pushback that says, oh no, you ain't going to tell me what to do. But maybe after a little reflection, if it is a disastrous season, is it going to take 100 losses, 90 losses? What's it going to take for Tony Larusa to step down or would he ever step down? I'm trying to throw a little rainbow here. I'm guessing all of you are just going to rain on it, but thoughts. It's going to take three more DUIs for him to <laughs> get fired. Wow. <laughs> That's a really rough week. <laughs> or night. Let's be fair for Tony. Night. Uh, okay. So it's going to have to be legal. Like he really, he essentially would be fired. He would not stand down. 
I mean, yeah, may, maybe I, I don't really want to make the comparison to Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck still had a lot of talent at that point, a lot of a lot of skill. But yeah, I don't know. He, we we've seen before where athletes, you know, they can still play, and you know, they just decide, you know, what this, I just kind of want to move on to the next stage in life, you know, and may like that wasn't expected at all when you know sometimes when that happens, like it wasn't for Andrew Luck, and so. Yeah, it it could happen. It's possible. I, I'm not counting on it, but yeah, it. I, I do think it would have to be something very unexpected, like a random loss of interest or a desire to move on to <laughs> random like, the next loss phase of life, or or <laughs> as you had mentioned, of, of course, yeah, I, I do think death would do it as well. Yeah. Random loss of interest, as if he hasn't been managing, as if he is suffering from random <laughs> loss of interest. Let's point <laughs> something out. This could be a double rainbow. I'm going to throw this out. For Dante, Sam, whoever else wants to jump in, he did seem to be somewhat uh, cognizant of legacy. He had said, and boy, the Hall of Fame could have come through for us. He had said, if the Hall of Fame had said, well, your temper, your plaque's going to temporarily come down, or what? I don't know what the issue was, but technically, you're not supposed to come back active after you're already in the Hall of Fame, right? And Tony had said, if they said, no, you can't do that, or it's going to screw something up, he wouldn't have come back. So there is some awareness of legacy. I mean, it has to be done. I mean, they're three games under 500, completely underachieving team. If it gets way worse, it could actually soak into that into that hard, hard shell of skinny ads. Dante, Sam, thoughts on, on any possible double rainbow here? Well, for me, the main thing is, like we all said, no one thinks Tony's getting fired anytime soon. If he did get fired, Hey, I would love to be proven wrong. I've learned that being wrong, like being proven wrong, sometimes be better than being right. Oh, yeah. So that'd be dope. I've been somebody that from jump thinks that we might have to do a, like, you might have to send that message. And to me, it's Rick Hahn as well, because people always have the rumor of, well, Jerry overstepped Rick to hire Tony. If Jay's gonna, like, if I was a GM, I wouldn't want my, owner overstepping me because I want want I want to have full faith in every decision I'm making you know let me ride on it mm-hmm. if that's the case I would have jumped off the ship mm-hmm. I personally have said that AJ Hanks should be our manager and now he's in Detroit so that's great so let's steal from another rival in the division Tony LaRusso should be fired at the end of the season really he should be fired before the end of the season mm-hmm. but it's the White Sox. They don't do that. Like the Bears did with Nagy earlier this year. So when they fired, hopefully they fired Tony at the end of the season. There's a guy on the Guardians that will also be a great managerial option, Sandy Alomar Jr. I'm already starting to like look into who I want next because this team is underachieving. I don't think we're going to break the 100-game loop, the 100 losses mark. I don't even think we're going to break 90. I think this team is going to end up like three games over 500, sneak their way into the postseason, get blasted in a wild card, and we go from there. But until all – and then there's – I would rather us not make the playoffs because at least if we don't make the playoffs, there's more reason to fire mm-hmm. this guy. Mm-hmm. But I can see us tripping our ways – our way into the playoffs, getting blasted by, like, I don't know, the Twins because that's just how this works, and going from there. Yeah, it's funny, even when most of us are like, worst case scenario, we're all still like, oh, yeah, 80-something wins, probably still make the playoffs. And I mean, nothing is projecting to that right now. Um, Sam, do you care to slide uh, on the double rainbow? Or are you going to somehow find another way to to just be bummed out about all this? 
Uh, Today was the first time of the season, I tweeted this out earlier, that I actually, while I still don't think that he will be fired, I sort of thought about it, I guess, in like a way that it could happen. But it's not, it would be completely against everything that we know about how the White Sox work and and the specific relationship dynamic between Tony La Russa and um, the front office, specifically Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, Because it's, I'm I'm of the belief that that this season is going to get... um, really ugly even uglier than it already is like i you know it's funny you know dante talking about how how he think you think that they're gonna you know get sort of sneak into the playoffs and i think that's certainly possible but i'm kind of like looking at this team and i'm seeing aloy jimenez um have um somehow not consider what's considered a misstep in his uh his in his uh uh the word salad but in any case, um, you know, he, I guess, will be back at some point. I wasn't exactly turning the cover off the ball when he was here. I still like him, but I don't know if he's going to just come right back and be a, an infusion of offense. Um, Lance Lynn will be back here soon. Again, though, the pitching has not been the problem this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's going to get really, really, really ugly, a lot uglier than it already is. And I do wonder that, you know, if you're Rick Hahn, if there will be that moment, and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, where he – goes to Jerry and he just says, you know, it's not a me or him situation, but it's more of a, you know, what this is, this, this is blowing, this has blown up beyond, um, beyond even the, what all, all, any of any Sox fans, any of us that were pessimistic about it. I actually think it's gone way beyond it. Cause what did we all think? Well, this team is good enough to, you know, get over uh, even if Tony's not hall of fame manager right Mm -hmm. at this point of his career and then brett speaking about what you said at the legacy part of it that's what's so wild to me is the motivation i think i never understood was why tony wanted to come back and i guess the 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 reason is that he is tony larusa and he feels like he you know knows better than everybody but i'll tell you what the way that this is tracking for all of us that maybe would have thought of of larusa in general as like oh yeah of course hall of fame like legend whatever um you know again not having him managing our teams and just thinking about him in the scope of baseball kind of on the surface, like maybe I would have, that's different. And I think nationally, I think that the, the legacy of Larusa is with every day that we're seeing this play mm-hmm. out here in Chicago, I think it's, I, I'm not, I'm not saying tarnishing, but I think it's having an, I will absolutely have a negative impact on his legacy because he's a joke and he's turned this te- this organization. He's this season is such a joke at this point that, it's always going to be there. And so whether or not the, the hall of fame puts his plaque up or, or, or they leave it off. Uh, guess what, Tony, like in Chicago, we're never going to forget about you. And, uh, and, and this is an incredibly embarrassing time uh, for an organization that's had many embarrassing times throughout <laughs> their history. So, yeah, think about it. He's like, he was all before, before uh, two seasons ago, he was the one who got away, right? He won World Series and other, you know, I mean, he really was like, you know, there was this wistfulness, whether or not, you know, you buy into the whole, you know, the whole, uh, uh, you know, myth of him or whatever, the invented bullpens or whatever. Uh, think about this, though. Jerry, you know, he's trying to do this make make good. He's like, oh, man, this is the biggest regret like he's ever had in his life, right? You know, his kids are probably like, what's going on, dad? But, oh, you know, okay, biggest regret of his life. Uh, and now he's making it good. He's seen, he's practically, you know, printing tickets to the, you know, the parade, the world series, you know, five years contention window, whatever. Imagine if it all turns so bad and let's face it, chances are it's going to turn bad, at least in the sense of not winning a world series, if not a lot uglier the way Sam is at least anticipating the clubhouse to explode uh, into uh, that. He's might, he might actually have to fire the guy 
twice. And that definitely was not in any way in the realm of what he thought was a possibility. He just thought it was going to be like, okay, well, you know, one of us will just slip into the great unknown, but we'll have like a whole bunch of rings on our fingers or we'll at least be, be, be really, really happy. Okay. Speaking a little bit to what Sam got at, um, and I don't want to sort of miss on this. Had the tough, it was a tough series no matter what. I mean, you know, winning one out of three from the Dodgers, even at home, I guess that's, you know, that's, that's nothing to be too ashamed about, although the way they did it. <laughs> uh, okay, we got a, 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 a lack of days off. So we're getting right into a Texas Rangers series again at home. Texas is uh, not a pushover, roughly as talented as the White Sox, at least, you know, record wise. So it's certainly not going to be an easy series as if any of them will be the rest of the year. Uh, interested in getting an idea from all of you how this team responds. Obviously, they can lay down if they want to quit on this guy. They can quit him and argue. Maybe they have, but um, you know everything they say. You know, Tim Anderson, him like practically roomies on the road. Uh, Lucas Giolito said positive things, uh, pretty much to a man. I mean, there might not be a lot. Uh, we're not hearing a lot that's unsaid, right? But uh, we don't know how the team's going to respond. How do you anticipate this team? We've been waiting for the run, and the run is not happening. And at some point, we just got to figure the sun sets on the run, and we're happy to be a uh, 500 team. Uh, how do you think this team responds just in the near term, coming right out of this ridiculous embarrassment where all the talk is about the clown manager and his defensiveness? Uh, how does this team play the weekend against Texas? It's been an endless cycle of as soon as you start to lose hope, they kind of really back <laughs> in and up, up, get back right around 500. So I think they respond pretty well to this and have a nice series against the Rangers. Just gut instincts just from how this season has gone so far. Uh, real quick, I, I actually agree with Joe. Um, I, I think that they that they'll, they'll respond fine. I think that the that the briefly, I'll just say the question that I struggle with is, does that actually matter? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that question, increasingly, in my opinion, has become no, um, because it's funny because Joe says that they've sort of had these responses that pull us back in, and I'm absolutely guilty of getting pulled back <laughs> in throughout this season. But we're talking about responses that aren't really that they had, what they had the one winning streak. But outside of that, it's like they'll win a game, and then yeah. we're all like, you know, yeah. Jake Berger homers, and we're all yeah. like, oh yeah. And I'm I'm putting myself in this group. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't know that it it matters really. Uh, it, it seems like it's going to be too much of you know this uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I get really excited. I said something about how I can't stay mad at Jake Berger because he hits the ball and I put him in my MVP poll today and someone in comments was like, I can't believe you did that. I'm disgusted. And I was like, he's, he's like the only one that hits. Exactly. What, was we what am I supposed to do? Yeah. He had the two popcorn really vendor? errors, but when he's the only person that hits the damn <laughs> ball, what am I supposed to do? Like, you're welcome to give me MVP people, but yeah, I'm just, Crystal, next time, I mean, it's going to be like tomorrow. Next time, you got to put Dante's got to be in the MVP pool. Uh, Dibillic, I believe, is at the game. Uh, 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 Rachel Melanta was going to be at the game. Those people, at some point, it maybe does need to be vendors and uh, uh, fans from the staff because that was a tough one today for sure. Uh, Dante, what do you think the what do you think the bounce back response is going to be uh, against Texas? What should be a winnable series? Should take two or three. Yeah, we should take two or three because. Texas fiction isn't good. The signings haven't lived up to expectations. Like I didn't have the like I didn't have the Rangers going to the playoffs. This year, but I thought they'll be better. 
like at least a more entertaining team. But I mean, I also thought the White Sox would be a more entertaining <laughs> team. And that didn't mean anything. So no. hopefully we take two out of three. I'm not going to say they will take two out of three. I'm going to say they should take two out of three because it's it's Martin, it's Geo, it's Kopech. Mm-hmm. Martin, yeah. whatever. Geo, Kopech against the Rangers should be six innings, one run, you know, send the bullpen out. But that's not how this works with the 2022 White Sox. <laughs> Should be, Dante. No, they're going to all see the seventh, and they're going to start getting hit around. They're going to run it up to about 115 pitches, grumble on their way off the mound. Uh, all right. Uh, as we're winding up here, some quick numbers. Sox got to go six. Uh, Joe, fact check me, whatever. Uh, fact check me in the comments after this is posted. Um, 64 and 43, I believe. They got to go to get to 90 wins. 64 and 43. That's some combination. Of, that's basically winning every series the rest of the way. Of course, there's going to be, you know, they're going to magically fall into a sweep against the Royals or something, but that's basically winning every series the rest of the season. Uh, not the easiest uh, task. Um, we hear a lot about the, the schedule. White Sox have, to be fair, they haven't had an easy schedule. Whatever. Okay. And they have the easiest. Apparently, they have the easiest the rest of the way. Problem is, they are, I believe, 14 and 13 against teams below 500 so far this year. Does the fact that the schedule is going to get easier, is that going to resonate at all with this team where it's just like they start falling into wins? I mean, they do still have to win games. Well, my thing is, we're supposed to be a World Series contender. There's no such thing as a difficult schedule for a team that's a World Series contender. Good point. Dodgers, they look at the White Sox and they're like, we can win that series. <laughs> The Rangers, they look at us and say, we can, well, they look at them because it's not us, it's mm-hmm. them. They look at this and say, we can win that series against the White Sox. That's how good teams look at other teams. They look at every single team and say, this day we have a chance to win. doesn't matter who we're throwing out there. doesn't matter what's going on. They say, we have a chance to win this game every single day, 162 games a year. The White Sox, I look at bad teams and say, the White Sox can beat them. I look at good teams and say, if the White Sox win one, then it would be an accomplishment. That's not how a championship-level team is supposed to work. And they've proven time and time again to not be that yet. Could they be in the future? Not this season, but maybe next year. But, Dante, they promised me they were the hunters and not the hunted this year. That's not fair. They can't pull that carpet out from under me. Okay, uh, other thoughts um, on the strength of schedule? Uh- Dante brings up a great point about like the way the perception of different teams. And I think that that's something I keep thinking about with like, whether it was the Yankees series or the Dodgers series. And and I, and then like, they'll, they'll be like these games where they struggle. And then I'll, I'll see discourse around like, well, uh, you know, the, the, the Yankees are good or the Dodgers are good, or, you know, these are really good teams. It's hard. To, and I'm thinking, yeah, but the, this isn't like an up and coming white Sox team. This is the team that's supposed to be, the Dodgers and the Yankees. And it, I mean, it's funny to say that, at the, you know, with everything we know now, but there's not like a bunch of reinforcements on the way. We don't have a good farm system to look forward to at this point. Although we do have some interesting prospects that should, should be in the major league. Yeah. They're not going to call them up. Yeah. If it was a good system, yeah. they wouldn't be yeah. calling them up. <laughs> exactly. But it's just to say that like, this is it. And that's, what's so discouraging. So it's like, I don't want to hear about uh, the, 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 how it's hard to beat good teams because we are supposed to be one of those teams. So strength of schedule especially doesn't matter, even if we have 
the easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the season when we're not beating, you know, we're not beating the good teams and we're not really, well, you know, we're doing actually seemingly better against the good teams yeah. than we are against the bad ones. But it's just to say that we're, that, that, uh, not to say it's not, it's not we, it's them. I'm putting this on them. They are not a good team. And, uh, and, and so there's, I don't know how much strength of schedule is going to really matter all that much. Indianapolis. Yeah. Ditto. I, I don't have a whole lot of faith anymore that they can do anything, even against these bad teams. I really think the Tigers are going to just completely kick them out of that third spot. Even it's just, it's ugly and they can't, they can't win. And they have a shitty manager that's not helping the cause. So, yeah, that's not going to make the uh, pocket schedule, though. Unfortunately, it should. It should. Maybe for next year. Uh, Joe, Ray Hope, Ray, Ray Light. It can't hurt having an easy schedule at the in the latter portion of the season. I, I think in the long run they will start actually performing better against bad teams than they do against good teams. So I'm. I, I do at least have a little bit of faith in them uh, that you know they have the they'll have the ability to turn things around to some degree. Um, so yeah, happy happy about the strength of schedule um, in the long run. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, Dante said it pretty well in in that. You know, I, I kind of have the same belief that you know when at the beginning of this series against the Dodgers and you know back when they were playing the Yankees, I was thinking, okay, if we can just win one game this series, I'll be satisfied. And that really should not be the way it is this year. Yeah. Uh, Joe Crystal, I have gotten your request, your separate individual requests to reconsider the remaining schedule and reduce your workload significantly. I will take that under consideration, but I will give you the early, the early word is absolutely 100% denied. You are stuck. Enjoy the rest of the season. I will be here with you trying to enjoy the rest of that season, as will Dante Jones and Sam Sherman. Hey, guess what? I imagine a half hour wasn't enough time. There could be more group therapy right around the corner. Lucky Sam, lucky host. Uh, Hey, thanks, everybody, for participating in this podcast. Uh, We are trying to rush it up because Lord knows you want to hear more about what a goof clown uh, and what a regretful decision it is that Tony La Russa is the face of the Chicago White Sox franchise. Hold the applause. Uh, Thanks for reading, watching. Hey, still sticking around with us. Love that you're here uh, without all of you. (sighs) We're not here and there's no purpose. So (laughs) consider perhaps vacating. Might give us a break. We might need it for our mental health. Anyway, at any rate, there'll be more group therapy. There'll be more Southside Sox, normal mothership podcasts. We'll be on the farm, whatever. There'll be podcasts as soon as tomorrow. Definitely quicker than you want to hear more about the White Sox. Thanks, everybody. 